you are listening to Skip Intro. I'm Lee Chui Lin in the studio with me today in McNally and Julian Yap. And, you know, normally we talk about the things that we watch, the things that we see. Um, but today we're talking about the things that kind of accompany that. Um, the music, the score, uh, just all the various things that go into making a movie experience kind of what it is. So um, we've been asking you for your thoughts, but keep them coming. Um, do you have any particular favourite soundtracks? Do you have any particularly, you know, memorable film scores that you like? WhatsApp us at 018-789-8899. Tweet us at SkipIntroMY and write us at movies at bfm.my. Guys, do you have any favourites? Well, the reason I wanted to do this was because I listened to an old playlist and forgot about Lens Steal My Sunshine, which um, in the soundtrack side of things is off the Go soundtrack, which is the Doug Lyman movie from 1999, which I bring up on the regular. It's just a, a Saturday night movie with uh, Sarah Polly and William Fickner's in it, and it's just all these stories interweaving. But that was that movie and that soundtrack were the soundtrack to my life for a little while after seeing it because it's got it's got uh, that Steal My Sunshine by Len, which is the version. There's a version where there's just literally two guys kind of like stoner talking in the middle of it for no reason. It's one of those weird little things. But it also has a version, a remix of Magic Carpet Ride by Steppenwolf and uh, Gangster Trippin' by Fatboy Slim. Um, a whole load of other songs that are just like, it's a mix of remixes and like, I think No Doubt's on there as well. Um, and it was just a perfect party album and it got stuck in all our heads. Because, you know, you listen to an album for long enough in a certain period of time mm-hmm. and then you have it associated in your brain with these images and then you forget about it for a few years and you hear it again and you're right back there. And that's one of my kind of criteria for liking soundtracks, I think. I, I tend to not listen to music forever. Mm-hmm. I listen at a period of time and then kind of move on until I hear it again and then get obsessed all over again. What do you guys think is the uh, the best criteria for a best soundtrack? I think it has to work. It can't just be the soundtrack of a film. Mm. I think it has to be so tied to those scenes and you can, you know, when you hear the song outside of the film, you can picture how those characters are moving within that scene itself. I think that that's what makes a really good soundtrack for me. I don't know. I mean, I think it's a couple of things, right? Ideally, what happens is that you change the feel of the song entirely. Mm. I, I like that. I, I like it when a scene actually kind of successfully changes um completely changes how I felt about the song. So it's one thing to affect me in the film, but that's easy. I mean, lots of things have happened along the way. Like, mm-hmm. you've probably been building up to a crescendo. There's, you know, performance involved, the script involved. There's so many different things. But I think it's special when the song changes. Mm-hmm. When after that, you think about it and you're always like, oh, I'm back at the heartbreak or, oh, I'm back at the moment. I think that's kind of, that's kind of special to me. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, we had a message in from M. Understore Karen, who was, uh, recommended Garden State and Going the Distance. Garden State, I know the movie, you know, it hasn't aged well. It's got a rep for being that indie film. It's the manic pixie dream girl trope yeah. in a movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are still things I like in the film. Natalie Portman tugging on the signal they have for, we need a signal in case this party's awful, just tug on your ear. And her just doing that is stuck in my mind forever. But the other thing that's stuck in my mind forever is that was actually the first times I heard new slang by the Shins, which is also, mm. you know, overused in everything now. Yeah. You gotta hear this one song. It'll change your life, I swear. Go teeth and the curse for this town. Roll in my mouth. I don't know how they got out 
good. I like it. When I saw that, I hadn't seen any marketing material or anything at all. So when I heard that song, I was hearing it for the first time, and it was the perfect, like you said, Len, the perfect collision of all those things. Mm-hmm. But also, it's a really good song. Yeah. And that just introduced me to the Shins, and just then that song is like those things are imprinted on your brain together. You can never undo those. Mm-hmm. And even as I said, the film hasn't aged well. I'll still listen to the Shins all the time. Yeah, and it's also like if you think of Five Hundred Days of Summer and how Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character is listening to the Smiths on his headphones and Zoe Deschanel hearing her listen the, the the tang over the the headphones but her singing along to it I it's almost hard to separate them sometimes when I hear the songs because it's it's a great scene you know in the in an elevator with someone you've never met but you know that there is some gonna, there's going to be history there so it's, it's a meet cute it is oh, yeah. it's, it's kind of perfect yeah it's a meet cute over the smith so yeah. it's like poof um I I actually when we were talking about this or when we were thinking about it I realized that it's kind of a risky game um, because I think that when you play a song in a movie and the movie doesn't earn it, mm. it ruins everything. Yeah. Like, like that's the moment where you realize like everything's broken down. I don't care about this. You might have been like teetering on the edge and then suddenly they play some like really, really huge song and you're mm-hmm. supposed to feel all these things and then you don't feel anything. And I think I can think of a couple, a handful of moments where that was the moment where I would think to myself, this movie's not working for me. Like, mm. I don't like this character. I don't care that you guys are kissing. I want everyone to just go away and I want to listen to the song on my own mm. now and not have you, you know, ruining it. Yeah. Or what's worse is it's reminding you of a better movie that that song was in. A uh, classic example of that recently was Guardians of the Galaxy soundtracks are, mm-hmm. you know, they're almost like the pinnacle of the form at this point. You don't, ex- no, no one expected to have a 70s rock album in this space opera. Yeah. Um, but the second movie went the way it used the chain by Fleetwood Mac in the opening credits. There seems to, there needs to be a moratorium on certain songs for a certain amount of time. That song used to be the Formula One song for anyone who had ever watched the BBC Formula One racing. They had the, the bass line at the beginning as their intro, but they never really got to the second half of the song. Mm. Guardians of the Galaxy used it all mm-hmm. to great effect. And then Triple Frontier used it, and it was just a big damp squib. <laughs> and it was like, why? I want to go watch Guardians of the Galaxy again after watching, after listening to this song. It's like, why is this here? Why would you do this? Speaking of Triple Frontier, Apocalypse Now, mm. kind of great. <laughs> I mean, just, no, but but when you think about it, that's the thing, right? Like some people set a standard, and mm. then after that, you just can't reach it. Yeah. Like, whenever you see a helicopter, you're always going to be taken back to that exact moment. So why try to replicate it? Mm-hmm. it it's That's what I mean when I say, like, you're playing a risky game with soundtracks. Yeah. It's like, because um, you can also use it to, like, refer to things. Mm. And then when it doesn't work, it, again, just really desperately doesn't work. And I think I'm particularly exercised about it because um, part of my weekend involved making the very bad decision to watch yesterday. And oh. just, I was so enraged. Yeah. So enraged. You want to wake so up in a mad. world where you haven't seen yesterday and no one's heard of it, right? It's like, <laughs> how like, do you make the Beatles not fun and great? Yeah. By having a terrible... Oh, okay, <laughs> this is not a mini review of yesterday. <laughs> I just bring it up because um, there's that moment where he sings help, mm-hmm. you know, and it's supposed to be, you're supposed to be thinking, oh my God, this guy, I get his feelings, you know, I, I get it. Like, it's mm-hmm. a cry for help. And instead, I'm just like, well leave you know it's just you don't just no go away but that's the power of music and i just think when it works it's so amazing and splendid and when it doesn't it just backfires
I, I can see specific scenes. It's just how it is, right? Yeah. It's one of those things. And I think someone else brought up um, High Fidelity, Just mm. Frank. Um, and that song made me revisit uh, Baby I Love Your Way uh. just because of that, that scene at the end. Yeah. And also, of course, Jack Black and Let's Get It On. Yeah. So, uh, like, was it Sonic Death Monkey? Is that the name of his band th- at the end I of it? I think it might have. Yeah, it might have been. <laughs> yeah. But like... That's but that's I think the beauty of a good song used well mm. or a good mm-hmm. song or a bad song sung well used unexpectedly and it's like <laughs> there's just so many different permutations of how you can play with that. Mm. Super interestingly over the weekend I watched um, Boogie Nights again because ah. it's just popped up on Netflix and the scene when Alfred Molina you know he sings Jesse's Girl. I've never heard Jesse's Girl sung in that way. <laughs> in you know it's a it's super unhinged. It's so chaotic. You feel the fear in you when he's actually singing it. Like oh no, I have to fear for my life now because this is not Jesse's Girl. <laughs> this is not you, you, it, you know it completely changes it. And it's it's so much it's so much fun to see where it can go with just the single song. My favorite soundtrack um, of all time in a film is um, the soundtrack to Marie Antoinette. Um, the Sofia Coppola film because who would have thunk that you know a film about one of France's greatest figures is actually you know soundtracked by Aphex Twin and Phoenix and um, The Strokes it just works really well and then you know you just a little bit of Vivaldi in there and it works because I mean it's it's a film about being a teenager but she also happens to be the queen of France and it's also about loneliness and about how you have all this power why not have fun with it you know you've got I Want Candy in there by Bow Wow Wow like it kind of really works all together it's it's you know it's um, anachronistic but still it still works I don't think uh, a soundtrack has to be anachronistic to work but I think it's extremely fun when it does I'd like Ella Enchanted a lot and A Knight's Tale both very heavily rely on Queen actually (laughs) a little bit of Elton John in there yeah but you know it works really well what are your favorite soundtracks we want to know. You can tell us uh, WhatsApp 018-789-8899. You can tweet us at SkipIntramY and you can write to us at movies at bfm.my. Break from monotony. BFM 89.9. Hello, you are listening to Lynn, Ian and Julian on Skip Intro. Um, we were talking earlier about soundtracks. Um, and of course, that is a different ball game to the score. Uh, because today we're talking about what you can hear when you're watching a movie, not just what you're seeing. Um, so score is completely a different ball game, you guys. I mean, like, I mm. think it, it also kind of, uh, depending on who you're thinking of or who you're talking about, that stuff sneaks up on you sometimes. It does. Mm. One of um, one of my favorite scores of all time is um, the score to un- actually no two under the skin and to Jackie. Both of them mm. scored by Mika Levi, and I can't imagine the kind of terror and uneasiness that you feel in Under the Skin, especially mm. in that scene, in those scenes when it, it's, you know, that endless black. Happens. And there's hardly any dialogue in that film. The yeah. entire, the score carries the whole film. And there's the the feeling of terror that you get from it and the impendingness of what's about to happen is completely relied on the score. In Jackie, on the other hand, it's so soft and sad because obviously Jackie Kennedy, she's just lost, she's just seen her husband die in front of her and she has to, you know, muster up the courage and move forward and all of this is present in the same score and you can see, you know, how well emotion is carried through it and I can't think of a better score that does that. Is it a score you'd listen to again? Like of without course, the movie, you just do it, yeah? yeah. Yeah, maybe not under the skin. Yeah, just because I don't want to. 
have a heart attack all the time. But yeah, there is that with a lot of movie scores. It's like yeah. sometimes, especially, I like one or two songs off an album. But if I'm actually listening to the whole thing, mm-hmm. there's those middle ones that are terrifying that yeah. you wake up to occasionally, and it's like I must remember to take that off the playlist. I can't <laughs> do that. Um, we got some messages in. Uh, one was from Issa Sophia, who was talking about. F- what she does for music with uh, soundtracks is for mindless data entry, uh, she has to listen to the Tron Legacy OST, the Hannah OST, or the Social Network OST. That uh, electronic nerdy score just gets me through mundane tasks. I, I suppose it this... makes you feel like you're in a film. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I yeah. mean, the, 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 the Tron one is one of those ones that feels to me like a cross, almost a cross between a soundtrack and a score. I mean, there's songs in there that play perfectly well on their own and are really great for mindless data entry cleaning the house mm-hmm. or going for a run yeah. uh, but there's also like you know Adagio for Tron is <laughs> one of the <laughs> songs in there and the Hannah one as well is something that the I think it's The Devil Is In The Detail and The Devil In The Beats are mm-hmm. two tracks from the Chemical Brothers on that album and it's again it's just I tend to listen to soundtracks mostly when I'm doing other stuff mm-hmm. and I need it to be familiar enough that I don't start concentrating on the music instead of the other thing I'm doing and I find those are propulsive enough that I'm familiar with them I'm not going to feel the need to I'm not going to lose my train of thought on whatever I'm doing I'm going to be able to continue with that but it's still background noise for me mm. I'm a real basic B when it comes to score <laughs> like, like I think I'm just going to go there because um, I don't really listen to them after uh, mm. not that much the only one that I can remember doing that for in any real way um were two. Uh, one was Thomas Newman for American Beauty, oh. uh, which I loved. Um, and I think that that one was mostly, I mean, my feelings about that movie have changed over the years. But when I watched it for the first time um, and that plastic bag scene, mm-hmm. yeah. I just remember the score um, and, and I wanted to hear that again. Um, and then aside from that, it's just freaking Howard Shore and Lord of the Rings, you guys. <laughs> I mean, like, who doesn't want, who doesn't want the Hobbit's theme? Like, That's who doesn't, true. every time you approach the Shire, you know, or every time there's a tender moment between Frodo and Sam, it's like, da-da-da, and you're like, yes, yes Hobbits, thrills, yeah. love each other. And so it's just, yeah, I, I don't listen to them much Um outside I, I rarely I like lyrics um, mm-hmm. so I, I don't find myself seeking music that doesn't have lyrics even when I'm working Wait, so that's super interesting so before Ian when you were talking about how you listen to it while you do work right so I when I do work I like sc- scores are great for work obviously but I like the softer peaceful quieter ones like How- Howard Shores for Lord of the Rings and I like um, for the film Emma so Rachel Portman who is I think the only female composer who's ever won an Academy Award for her score you know, quiet, calming, very, it's happy, you know, it makes you want to move forward and keep you going. When um, the the score for, I guess we have to, I'm going to bring up Hans Zimmer. I, 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 before, Thank you for going there. Uh, I, I didn't want to. Yeah, off mic everywhere. I said I didn't want to, it's but like, okay, fine. It's like trying to avoid talking about water when you're up to your yeah. neck in it. Yeah, but Dunkirk, the second I got out of Dunkirk, I wanted to listen over and over again. I did not because um, I actually feel palpitations during that scene. <laughs> the oil, <laughs> the, the song, the, the, the track, the, the oil, it just goes up and down and up and down. And I yeah. can't do it. Um, I get I goosebumps when I start listening to it. There's a constant ticking through that entire movie as yeah. well. There's a constant ticking through everything. The entire right? score and yeah. I can't listen to that when I'm doing work. Yeah. I I think I did and I, I, oof, I stopped work for a bit. I had to take a walk. He's pretty good for jogging. Okay. Uh, the Rush soundtrack. Yeah. I mean, the, the Rush soundtrack is not so zimmery. Like, mm-hmm. there's a nice mix of like '70s wailing guitars and different styles of music that I like to listen to a lot. The Dark Knight is just like that's you know that's 2K in your pocket straight away. You just you're around the you're around that bend in no time. Did you guys um, notice the sound? So I, I don't know whether this falls into soundtrack or score, um, but did you guys notice the sound for the favorite? 
Yes. Yeah, because... The favorite was so good at using silence when it had to. But mm. also weird sounds. Yeah. Like, like it wasn't music exactly. I mean, beyond the scenes where you have people dancing before she shrieks out across the yard, <laughs> you know, or whatever. Like, before the weird interludes. Um, I was just thinking about that scene where there is a burn on a hand um, and and how the music really kind of goes discordant and strange. Mm. And I think, um, again, I don't know whether that's... It's not a traditional score. Mm. It's I don't think it's a soundtrack per se, but it just... It's it's how music, I think, infuses the moment with a very specific feeling. I think we're seeing that a lot more with the... They're not horror, but they're more thriller than horror. The mm. the higher concept horror that it's labeled as now. So, Killing of a Sacred Deer by Yorgos Lanthimos last year. That one had the same kind of non-score score where you get little beats where it just amps you, amps mm. your your fear up a lot. Um, Her- Hereditary has a good score, but a lot of it is that shriekingness of (laughs) that you don't really get to hear all the time in film and it's it's really fun Um, there's a composer called John Murphy who he does that building dread in movies incredibly well but they can also be listened to afterwards he did Adagio in D which was from Sunshine which is that music that just Mm. builds throughout the whole thing Mm -hmm. and if you've seen 28 uh, Days Later the first one there's a song called In the House in a Heartbeat and it's like, I think it's five to six minutes long and it starts with just piano notes and then builds to an entire rock orchestra because by the end of it, it's the whole band. But And it's screaming because it's zombies are coming to get you by that point. You've done the creeping around the house and now you're getting chased to your death. So and you score Killian Murphy really well is what we're saying. <laughs> exactly, yes. Uh, yeah, when you look at the top of his Spotify list, it's like oh. Killian Murphy faces. <laughs> but those are just, again, you can listen to those afterwards, I think. That's a, a key thing. There is all those ex- those experimental scores can be I mean even John Carpenter's Halloween was kind of experimental at the time because of the the keyboards and the synths it wasn't Mm -hmm. expected Tell us actually whether you listen to scores outside or whether, because I'm all about how they affect the movie. I don't necessarily like revisiting them. I Mm -hmm. really love them in films but I rarely after that go out and go like oh, need to hear that one again. Can I bring up Joe Hisaishi who's done Spirited Away How's Moving Castle Kiki's Delivery Service and Ponyo how much, how perfectly can you get as a soundtrack for the outside world than Spirited Away and House Moving Castle? Hmm. Tell us, uh, what are your favourite soundtracks? What are your favourite scores? Um, do you listen to them after the movie or are you all about, you know, two hours and you're done? WhatsApp us at 018-789-8899. Tweet us at SkipIntroMY and write to us at movies at bfm.my.